this podcast is going to be a book chat of sorts by me, Miss Hazen, uh, about Margaret Atwood's historical fiction novel, Alias Grace. Uh, I want to start this episode just talking about the structure of the book, which is fragmentary. Uh, the book employs a quilt motif that's really fascinating throughout the story, uh, the actual sewing of quilts and using of quilts in just the plot, uh, but also the symbolic nature of quilts as fragmentary, as uh, collections of pieces of lots of different shapes that are all sewn together to make one larger pattern or picture. And the structure of the book itself is set up that way. It's divided into 15 large sections that are each entitled with the name of a quilt pattern. Within each of those sections, there are multiple chapters, which breaks it down even further. And at the beginning of each section, there are snippets, uh, fragments of other text, poems, letters, uh, excerpts out of nonfiction writing, uh, newspaper accounts from the time of the crime itself, Grace Marks' supposed confession uh, is there. So the, the nature of the novel is reflected in the way that the novel is put together in all of these fragments. And of course, even the narration is fragmentary. Grace speaks in some of the chapters in, in her voice. In other chapters, Dr. Simon Jordan is speaking, and both of them are only seeing fragments of each other. And they speak about each other from their limited perspectives. We also have the very nature of Grace as uh, a somewhat unreliable narrator. We don't know for certain if she is telling Jordan the truth, if she's telling us the truth, uh, if she even knows what the truth is. Her claim of amnesia uh, possibly is true, in which case her memory is fragmentary, uh, which is also, of course, tied to the structure of the book. So, the examination of the novel as a study in the fragmentary nature of memory and storytelling, the fragmentary nature of truth, and even the fragmentary nature of human personality, I find really interesting. Uh, the first section is called Jagged Edge. Um, and each of the section titles, I think we can uh, examine in relation to the content of the section that follows. So why is this section called Jagged Edge? Why did she choose that quilt pattern for this particular uh, line of storytelling? And why do certain epigrams appear at the beginning of those sections? So in the, in the beginning of Jagged Edge, we have... Um, a section from The Defense of Guinevere by William Morris. Whatever may have happened through the years, God knows I speak truth, saying that you lie. So, okay, we've got the introduction of truth and lies. Who's telling the truth? Who's telling the lies? Um, that is introduced here. And even with the, the phrase, through these years, what all has happened through these years, 
indicates that we're talking about memory, about looking back and how that changes, depending on who's telling the story and how long it's been since the original action took place. Uh, We also have an excerpt from a letter uh, of Emily Dickinson that's I Have No Tribunal, um, and a section from The Soul of the White Ant, I cannot tell you what the light is, but I can tell you what it is not. What is the motive of the light? What is the light? So I think that's another interesting uh, concept, the idea that you can't define the light, but you can define what it is not. Uh, Are we supposed to apply this to grace? Are we supposed to apply this to the nature of truth? that we can't know what the truth is, but we but we can know what it's not. Um, I think there are lots of possibilities with those with those epigrams in Jagged Edge, and of course, Jagged Edge uh, just in its name suggests brokenness, right? Jagged edges of something that has been broken, sharpness, also pain, possibly violence. There are all kinds of um, possibilities with the name Jagged Edge, and then we have another epigram which is from Susanna Moody's Life in the Clearings. Uh, Susanna Moody wrote a lot about grace, uh, probably embroidered a lot, uh, to use our sewing metaphor. Um, And she called her uh, the celebrated murderess, Grace Marks. And and that phrase gets used in the content of the novel as well. Uh, So there's an excerpt there that reveals some of the gender attitudes of the time that that women had superior morals, and that's why there were fewer of them in the penitentiary. Uh, And also it reveals this Victorian kind of macabre fascination with crime and criminals. She goes to see Grace Marks, like she's a zoo animal, uh, and and people did that. They they went to view these criminals. the, the fascination with the macabre and with the occult and crime at the time uh, is layered throughout the book, not only in um, the, the fascination that people have with Grace herself, the, where she is uh, employed during her incarceration. The, the ladies all find her very fascinating. The young ladies find her very tragic and almost romantic and fascinating. Um, but also there are layers of um, spiritualism and seances in the occult, uh, and the Victorian fascination with um, kind of taboo sexuality is is layered throughout as well. And then we have another epigram, um, a very short poem, Basho poem, Come, see real flowers of this painful world. Uh, and so this is an interesting thing to start thinking about. There is a, a strong flower motif that is is layered throughout the book. Um, there are flowers all over the book, real flowers, fake flowers, quilted flowers, flowery smelling perfumes. Um, they're, they're everywhere. And so we have to think about like what flowers are actually doing in nature, um, how they are, uh, you know, used in pollination. And <laughs> there are just all kinds of interesting things you can do with a flower symbol. So, and, and depending on how the flower is presented in a particular chapter, uh, it, can, it can mean different things. It can draw up different images in our minds, but it's there. And so I point that out because those little epigrams, all those little scraps that we get at the beginning of each section shouldn't be ignored. 
Uh, it's easy to just kind of skip over those and think you're getting to the real uh, story. But the real story is is all patched together in the epigrams, the quilt pattern titles, and then, of course, the actual text. So um, I start this episode just to point out uh, that you never want to skip those things. They are all a part of Margaret Atwood's narr- narrative, and, uh, and they reveal a lot to us about what is to come. So in episode two, we'll be talking about the first reading section, um, which is, includes part one, Jagged Edge, and also um, parts two and three, Rocky Road and Puss in the Corner. I'll see you next time. Thank you.